Scaling Up Nation, if you've been following my favorite books, you know Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich is among them. In this book, he analyzed what successful people had in common, and one of these commonalities that he noted was successful people meet with other successful people. He then coined that meeting a mastermind. Folks, life is too hard to do it alone, and that is exactly what most of us are doing. Starting in early 2020, I will be launching our own mastermind called Rising Tide. The Rising Tide Mastermind is made up of small groups of individuals with the focus on helping each other succeed. These groups will include weekly video calls designed to solve key issues, quarterly book discussions with action plans, quarterly one-to-ones with me, a live event, and so much more. I've personally been a member of a mastermind for years, and I know how key being in a mastermind has been for my own success. And because of that, I know how key a group like this can be in your success. The Rising Tide Mastermind is currently accepting applications. We have very limited spots, so go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to set up a 15-minute call with me to see if this is the key to your next level of success. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on knowledge of all kinds, business, water treatment, all of those things, so you don't scale up your systems. Folks, my name is Trace Blackmore, and I am the host of Scaling Up H2O, and I am just so incredibly amazed that today's date is December 27th, 2019. It is the last episode of 2019. It seems like just yesterday I was doing a planning episode for 2019, and now we're doing a farewell episode to 2019. Folks, I hope you have had a great holiday season. Of course, we've got New Year's coming up. And with New Year's, many of us make resolutions, and those resolutions are normally broken within the first week. Well, I told you a couple shows back that I wanted you to look at all of the things that you have accomplished or did not get accomplished this past year. And we were going to look at that. Well, folks, I decided that there were a few things I wanted to talk about first before we got into goal planning. So we're actually going to do goal planning the very first episode of next year. So next week, your homework is still valid. You can still work on it. We're going to take that information and we're going to figure out how we make 2020 incredibly productive. Well, something that I like to do at the end of every year is I like to go through an acronym, and I introduced it to you last year. It's called SCOL, and SCOL stands for Successes, Challenges, Opportunities, and Lessons Learned. 
So we're gonna go through some of the things from this show, and I would love it if you all did Skull for yourself. I use Skull quite a bit when I meet with groups for us to engage with each other and figure out what's going on between one visit from the last visit. And Skull is just a great way to end up the year. So join along with me as I do some items I've learned from the podcast. So let's look at successes. So probably the biggest success is we have doubled our listener base in 2019. So we're over 10,000 listeners now. We're in over 65 countries. Again, that is incredibly amazing to me. But folks, I know there's so many other water traders out there, so we still need to spread the message because I think the larger this show gets, the more relevant this show gets, and of course, the more content this show gets. So if you can help me do that, I definitely appreciate it. But I will say that was a huge success this year was we doubled our listener base. Another huge success is we produced 56 episodes this year. Oh my gosh, if someone were to tell me that we were going to do over 50 episodes in a year when I first started, and I started this out as a monthly podcast, and I thought 12 was a daunting challenge, I probably would have never started. But folks, I love doing this podcast. I love all the things that I learned because of this podcast. And I love all of the notes that I get from listeners saying how much they enjoy the show. That's definitely a success as well. Of course, another success are the great guests we have. They, of course, bring increased knowledge and different points of view to the show. I've received dozens of emails where people said that they received their certified water technologists or another similar designation because this show promotes going after a designation that shows that you are on the top of your industry. So thank you so many people that sent in those emails. And Also, a huge success for me was I think the number one topic spoken about during the AWT convention was the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And so many Scaling Up Nation members came up to me. They asked me for a button to put on their lanyard. They told me how much they enjoyed the show. And even better, they gave me some ideas for other shows. So thank you to all those people that did that. Also, other associations have been asking me to cover their events. We've been to ASHRAE, we've been to BOMA, we've been to IWC, and I know I'm leaving out some more. But the awesome thing is that we touch so many water industries and other industries are reaching out to us and asking us to cover what they are doing on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. So those are just a few of the successes that I could think of. I know there are dozens more, but also in Skull, the C stands for challenges. So the challenge of this show has always been coming up with new topics. You know, what am I going to talk about so you, the listener, don't fall asleep at the wheel in between customer accounts? I don't want that to happen. 
So I want to make sure I find relevant information and I deliver it in a way that is entertaining so you enjoy listening to this podcast. That's always been a challenge. I hope I'm delivering on that, but I will promise you I'm always looking for ways to become better with that. Also, finding new guests, finding guests that you want to hear from that will help expand our knowledge. That's always a challenge. And I've also upgraded some of the equipment here in the studio. So learning how to use some of the new equipment has been a challenge. I had everything dialed in with the old equipment and we decided to upgrade so we can get a better sound and do a little bit more with the post-production on our end. Well, now we're doing that and learning how to use all that equipment, of course, comes with some issues. But we're getting through those. And folks, it's pretty cool equipment. So uh, don't feel sorry for me because I have to learn new stuff. I'm really enjoying the new stuff. And another challenge was the TED Talk. I got to do a TED Talk this year, and that, of course, came with its challenges. And if you want to hear some of those challenges, you can listen to episode 92. Well, the O in Skull stands for opportunities. And the first opportunity that I can think of is that we are starting a mastermind behind Scaling Up. And what that is, that is a group of like-minded individuals working with each other with the sole purpose of making each other succeed more to higher levels. I've been a member of a mastermind for years. I can tell you firsthand what that has done for me and my success. And I figured it was time to share that with the water treatment community and other business-like people. Another opportunity is we are now working with sponsors. Early on, when I started this show, I tested the waters and I did a podcast and I asked people to call in, to write in, to call me, let me know what they thought if I were to take sponsors. And I really thought that everybody was going to say it would cheapen the show. But even early on, everybody said, no, we understand that there are expenses to that. We think you should do that. Well, still, years went by. I didn't do anything with that. And at this year's past AWT convention, I had several vendor members come up to me and they really wanted to know what they could do to help sponsor the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And I always thought that they might even resent me if I asked them for a sponsorship. And they told me, no, it's the opposite. We resent you because you're not giving us the opportunity to help or participate in something that the water treatment community has wholeheartedly embraced. And it is the most talked about topic here at the AWT convention. So my team and I got together and we started working with sponsors. And of course, the last couple of episodes, you've heard some of those sponsors and it's been great. Uh, With that, we've been able to uh, update our calendar. So we're going to be doing a bit more than what we did last year as far as how we cover content, where we can cover the content. So I'm really excited to bring that to you next year. And we're able to do that because people are helping sponsor the podcast. You know, another opportunity is one of our successes. And I want to recognize the folks out in the Scaling Up Nation. It's the number of listeners that we have. You know, there's an opportunity for so many other listeners out there 
So if I could have an ask for all of you listeners out there, the next time you meet another water treater, let them know about the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Now, some water treaters may not be familiar with what a podcast is. You might have to explain that to them. I normally tell them it's like a radio show on the internet, but you might have to go as far as to download a podcast player or show them that they do already have a podcast player and then help them subscribe to Scaling Up H2O. I would love it if the nation could help me with that. Well, Skoll is spelled with two L's, and the two L's stands for Lessons Learned. And I have a bunch of lessons to share with you this year. The number one thing that I could think of is be sure to take your own advice. And I'm talking to myself right now. On multiple episodes, I have advised members of the Scaling Up Nation to find somebody that they admire because of what they've done and ask them if they would mentor them. Several of you have told me that you have done that, and I was actually in a situation not terribly long ago where a local radio staple in the Atlanta market, his name is Scott Slade of WSB Radio, was a scuba diving student of mine. And for those of you in the nation that don't know, I am a scuba diving instructor. Now, during Scott's certification process, we started talking about broadcasting, and I mentioned I had a podcast. Well, he later went and looked up the podcast, listened to a couple episodes, and when we got back together, he told me he really enjoyed my podcast. He then freely gave me some tips on speaking, on writing notes, on recording, and even gave me an exercise to warm my voice up. Now, that led to a few more questions, which led to him giving me some answers, which led to me asking him if he would mentor me on this topic. Now, I want to take you back to episode 115 with Jeff Henderson, and he told us to ask big. He told us, don't be worried about what the receiver of the question might say. Many of us don't ask because we convince ourselves the other person is going to say no. So the question never gets asked. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you, I had that very dialogue in my head before I spoke with Scott. I remember I was thinking, oh, I should ask him to mentor me. And then I instantly thought, what right do I have to ask somebody who's been in radio for almost 50 years to waste their time on me? I just have a podcast. Why would he ever say yes? So there it is. We all have stuff like that in our heads. But if we can get past that stuff to ask the question, the person we're asking might actually say yes. And that's exactly what Scott did. He said yes. Scott actually brought me into his studio. He showed me how he prepared for his morning show. By the way, I had to get in at 2.30 for him to show me all of this. So Scott gets in at 2.30 every morning for a 4.30 a.m. show. I learned a tremendous amount watching him do what he does, and he even came back to my studio, gave me some advice, and gave me a list of equipment 
that would make what I do a lot easier and sound better. So all of that would never have happened if I would not have asked that question. And Scott and I have had lunch a couple times. I can actually call Scott a friend now, and we have a better friendship because I did ask him that question. So folks, if you can learn a lesson from me, it's take my own advice and take Jeff's advice and remember to ask big because you might get a big answer. My other lesson was how I talk with people. Now, last week, you heard from Kathleen Edelman, that was episode 117, and she taught us that our words are gifts to other people. I have to say, I never looked at what I said that way before I met Kathleen. I did, however, leave conversations wondering why other people mistook the words that I used as I was trying to say something else. I guess that's the reason Kathleen named her book, I Said This, You Heard That. Last week, I told you her book was hands down the best thing I have done to strengthen all of my relationships this past year. So my lesson learned was we don't always interpret words the same way. Now, that really wasn't the lesson because Stephen Covey taught me that a long, long time ago in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In fact, he states very clearly, he calls that a paradigm. And we each internalize whatever's happening around us, whatever we hear in our own way or in our own paradigm. We're conditioned in the way that we see the world. And I've taught that for years. Now, here's the lesson. Kathleen's book and working with Kathleen, she gave me the tools to actually structure the right words to use with the right people. And when you start thinking about this is the message that I'm trying to convey, but I want to convey it in a way that builds up the other person. So now I need to use words that allow the other person to hear it in the way that they hear, that was truly game-changing in my arena. It was one of the best things that I did this past year. And the other lesson that I've learned, and I'm going to end with this one, and I'm also going to change what I told you, the nation, that I was going to do this week. I told you we were going to do some goal planning but I started thinking. Uh, I mentioned the five-minute journal a couple of weeks ago, and I really was thinking that the five-minute journal is a great entry point into the mindset that we need to get into in order to properly achieve the goals that we need to achieve. So Scaling Up Nation, I'm changing up the recording calendar just a little bit. And instead of doing a show on the five-minute journal next week, I'm going to let you know some of the lessons I learned with it this week, and then next week we'll get into goal planning. So here's a funny story. A couple weeks ago, I introduced the five-minute journal, and a couple of my close friends immediately called me after that episode aired, and they wanted to know if I have lost my mind. They said, water treaters are not journalers, and I know you, Trace Blackmore. I know you are not a journaler. So what is going on here? 
Well, they're right. I'm not a person that writes in a journal. In fact, getting into the habit of using the five-minute journal was pretty hard for me. You might be wondering how I was introduced to the five-minute journal. And I think I told this a couple weeks back, but I'll go ahead and say it again. After I spoke at Tim Fulton's Small Business Matter Conference, and that was the TED Talk that I did, episode 92, he sent me a thank you gift, and that thank you gift was the five-minute journal. And now I'm talking to you and telling you how great the five-minute journal was. So you're probably thinking, I received that gift from Tim. I immediately opened it and started using it. And folks, that didn't happen. I opened it. I skimmed through it. I set it on a corner of my desk, and it sat there for better than four months. In fact, it had things on top of it. I didn't even know it was there. And I started listening to another podcast who mentioned that they use the five-minute journal, and they started telling me the reasons why they use it and why they recommend others to use it. And then I remember, hey, I've got a copy of that. I should probably open it up and look at it a little bit better. Well, I still didn't start using it, and I started thinking maybe a couple weeks later, why not give it a try? And Folks, I am amazed at what it has done for me. So here's what the five-minute journal does. It helps you acknowledge the positive that you have in your life. Now, I know what you're thinking, and I know what my friend said that called me up, and they were saying, you know, this sounds new age, hippy-dippy, just weird stuff, you know, why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing this because I can tell you firsthand that it works. By default, if we don't do anything, we are going to see far more negative than we ever will with the positive. Our world is set up to accent the negative. I have a friend that used to work in a newsroom, and she would tell me that they would determine what stories would lead based on how violent they were. Simply put, the phrase they used was, if it bleeds, it leads. For some reason, negative news and violent news is more rating earning than good news is. Well, advertisers, of course, they want ratings. And I guess that's why the news agencies lead and talk about so many negative items in the news. Here in Atlanta, we have a news station that promises to bring you good news in the morning. So when I watch that station in the morning, here's what happens. They tell you about a plane crash, a house fire, a burglary of school made for blind children run by nuns, and then they cut to a story that shows a cute puppy that gets adopted to a new family. This is the good news they promise, by the way. And then immediately they go back to telling you about some politician that says something bad about another politician, and there's probably a murder somewhere amongst those headlines. Well, folks, that was less than five minutes. Most of us, we get out of bed, we turn the radio or we turn the TV on, and that's how we start the day as we're getting ready. And then we go out with our day. And the first things that we've thought about are all of the negative things that the news has primed us with. And for the longest time, I just told myself I wasn't going to listen to the news in the morning. And I guess that helped a little bit. 
But I got to tell you, when you start your day with positive things and positive things that have actually happened to you that you start acknowledging there's something that happens to how you process what you are looking at, you start seeing more positive things and the negative things, you can start to realize how you can make those more positive. So folks, I just remember I was focusing on negative things even after I stopped watching the news. And I know there's one person out there that can watch the news and they can focus on that puppy getting adopted from the family. And that's all they took from those 15 stories. And that was the only good one. Well, that wasn't me. I just remembered that it was so easy for me to take the negative of any situation, and that's where my mind automatically went to. Of course, I was primed for that. Now, I wasn't depressed. I think I was just primed to look for the wrong or the negative things. There's a saying, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's something like whatever you look for, that's what you are going to find. Well, that's when I decided to start using the five-minute journal that Tim Fulton gifted me. And I want to say it was less than a week I could tell that I was better equipped to find more positive things. I know it sounds weird, but it really does work. The journal is very simple, and here's how I use it. The number one tip is you have to keep it by your bed with a pen. And if you travel somewhere, you take it with you, you put it on your nightstand in the hotel room, but it always goes beside your bed. They have an app for it. I've never been able to get the app to have the same effect as the book does. But if you want to use the app, by all means, you are welcome to do that as well. So in the morning, what you're going to do, you're going to pick up the book. And it's going to ask you three questions. Question number one is, I am grateful for... And you're going to list three things. Question two is, what would make today great? And you'll list three things. The third thing are daily affirmations. So I am, and you list a couple of things there. And that's it. It doesn't even take you five minutes. Then before you go to bed, you're going to answer two questions. The first question is three amazing things that happened are, you'll list that, And then the last question is, how could I have made today even better? We start thinking about that continuous improvement, and now we go to bed. And folks, there's just something when you acknowledge your day that way and end your day and you go to sleep, and then you wake up and you immediately start thinking about today in a positive way, it will make changes so you start seeing more positive things and you'll start getting more positive things done. As I said, it took me about a week to notice anything, but I did start noticing more positive things. Now, it might take you less, it might take you longer, but it will prime you to look for the positive things. Now, you'll still hear all the bad things on the news because I don't think they're going to stop doing that. But the difference is that's not how you're starting your day. You're starting your day in the journal. And then even if you do hear those other things, that's not the only information that you're getting before you walk out the door. I was trying to think of an example I could share with you. So I remember talking with a prospective client. We went to a meeting. 
It was a pretty good meeting, but I didn't get a yes. So driving back in the car, and I know you all know what that's like, we don't think about all of the things that we did right. We just think about all of the things that we did wrong. And because we're now in that negative spiral, the next thing we do is in the negative, and then something else spins into the negative. So now, by the way, we did finally get a yes, but now when I have a meeting that way, I think of what are the things that I did right, and what was my mindset? Was I truly there to help connect them with something that will help them? Do they understand water treatment better now? Did I explain that in a way that they understood so they could actually take that information and use it? Or was my only goal to sell them so I could get a new client? And if I know that my mindset was to help them, then that's a pretty good day. And nine times out of 10, when we present to clients, we normally get them because that is our mindset. Now, does the journal help with that? I can say it definitely doesn't hurt. Folks, I've really enjoyed starting my day and ending my day with the journal, and I urge you to start using the five-minute journal so you can prime your day to start seeing the positive as well. Now, you can get the five-minute journal by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash journal, and that will take you to an Amazon affiliate link. Again, an affiliate link is a link that we put together that will take you straight to that Amazon site. It will not cost you any extra money, but Amazon does pay us a slight commission since we brought you to that five-minute journal. I truly believe that if you use the five-minute journal, you're probably going to get the five-minute journal for somebody as a gift the next time a birthday comes around. I've given several copies of the five-minute journal out since Tim gave me my first copy. So Nation, next week, we are going to start looking at planning. I gave you some homework, and your homework was to look at all of your accomplishments and figure out why they were accomplishments. What are the things that had to happen in order for you to check those things off? And then do the same things for the things that you did not accomplish. And think about what were all the things that didn't happen or things that happened that got in your way to not allow you to finish those goals. Folks, that's actually where the key is. If you can figure out what is in your way of getting your goals completed, you can figure out how to deal with those and then you can get those goals completed. You also might find out you can't deal with those goals. And because of that, those are not smart goals. Because of what's going on in your life right now, it's just not the right time to do that. Or maybe it's not the right time to do it in the way you think it needs to be done. So if we don't acknowledge all the things that are in our life, When we're trying to get things done, we're not going to get those things done. And that's what we're going to do next week. Well, folks, I just want to say Happy New Year. New Year's is just a couple days away. I can't believe we are saying goodbye to 2019. 
but we are saying hello to 2020. And of course, everybody's putting this 2020 vision up and 2020 is gonna be great. And we're gonna have a good focused vision. So if you're doing something like that, next week, I'm gonna help you get there. And I look forward to seeing you in the new year on Scaling Up H2O.